intrigued by the word imposters. The gold standard has imposters. So to resolve the suspense, early on I tell you what the two important imposters I'm going to mention. There might be more, but I'm going to concentrate on these two. One is the uh, so-called gold bullion standard, and the other is the gold exchange standard. So to uh, have a name for the real thing, the true faith uh, runs under the name gold coin standard. So these are the three uh, contenders and uh, our champion is the gold coin standard and we relegate the other two to the category of imposters. This gives you a little bit of uh, uh, perspective, but I'm going to start uh, somewhere else. I just gave this to you in advance because I didn't want you to uh, didn't want to keep you in suspense for too long. Now, the history of the gold standard may appear as an exciting subject, but when you compare it with the history of silver standard, which is a much longer history because it goes back to the beginnings of the Chinese civilization and uh, uh, Sandeep is telling me that the Indian civilization uh, which kept silver in very high regard is even older than the Chinese civilization. When I dipped into that, the history of silver, I was absolutely fascinated because it's much more interesting. Now I'm not working against myself and try to devalue my subject, but I just thought that I give this title, Brief History of Ghost and a little twist, and I will give you a history of the failures to reestablish the gold standard after it was abolished by its enemies. So this is going to make it a little more interesting. At least I hope so and I uh, apologize to you if you feel disappointed. I didn't want to cheat you out of your right to hear about the history of the gold standard, uh, but as uh, Louis mentioned in his introduction, it's, it's a, a, a law much longer topic and it is maybe a little more technical and so on, and I, I, <laughs> I'm for uh, popularity, I'm trying to make my subject uh, appealing to most of you. Uh, as far as the history of 
the gold standard is concerned, there is a tremendous literature on that, and uh, I, I think there is much greater uh, interest in how to how people try to restore or reestablish a failed gold standard, which is really a history of the 20th century. Actually, the 19th as well, because as you recall, one of the first very famous uh, effort to re-establish re the gold standard was in the United States in 1879. The uh, greenbacks, the paper money of the United States, was being phased out and made convertible into gold coins. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about that. I will start with the 20th century. And in the 20th century, the, the first very important attempt to restore the gold standard was that of Britain in the year 1925. And uh, I will start with that historical episode, which, is, uh, which offers lots and lots of lessons. It was a failure. The uh, restoration of gold in the 19th century in the United States, the date, as I mentioned already, was 1879, was a success because they succeeded in reestablishing the gold standard, which uh, carried on unbroken until 1933. Uh, but, and now we are looking at something which was a failure. And I put it in this way, if I had a flip chart, which I don't, but I may, it may be coming, I would put it on the board. Why was Britain's return to gold, to the gold standard in 1925 doomed? It was doomed, and there is a very good reason offering a very important insight why it was a failure. If you ask for the name of the bad guy in this story, the bad guys, some of you might be surprised and some of you might be even offended, uh, but the bad guy was Winston Churchill, who in 1925 was the uh, secretary of the exchequer in practice the uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury or in European countries they would say the Minister of Finance. And he pushed the project and he pushed a wrong project because he wanted to restore gold at the original parity which prevailed before World War One, That was in itself a questionable thing to do. Probably he should have returned to gold at a different one. But, and another 
failure of Winston Churchill was the insistence on, I mentioned the, one of the imposters, gold bullion standard. Now here is another bad guy who invented the gold bullion standard, which interestingly enough uh, went back another hundred years or so. The, uh, uh, the name is, and again I apologize if I'm offended anybody here, but the name of this other bad guy is David Ricardo. So I take this onus on myself to challenge such idols as these two names I mentioned. But I just have to. It belongs to the story. It belongs to why was Britain's return to the gold standard in 1925 doomed. Now to introduce my subject, thank you very much. To introduce my subject, I will have to go back to another important name in the history of economics, especially the British history of economics. Uh, and that's a good guy for a change. The name is Adam Smith. Adam Smith is credited with the real Bill's doctrine. And I'm going to refresh your memory what this is. I'm just saying that it's, this is as high a pedigree as you can give to a theory that Adam Smith was the original author. I, I wouldn't say inventor because he looked at the Scottish banking system and the English banking system and some others and he extracted the good points, the high points, and uh, abstracted in the sense that he created the theory, ignoring the bad points. There were bad points too, but ignoring that, he came up with uh, the real Bill's doctrine. It's a theory, uh, but uh, the name, real Bill's doctrine, does not go to Adam Smith, it was the opponents and critiques of Adam Smith who invented this and they wanted to build a slant of a pejorative title to the theory. Uh, a, a more appropriate name to, of the theory would have been the theory of uh, bills of exchange and bills of exchange went back to the 12th, 13th century. Italy, these Italian city-states such as uh, Genova, Venice, uh, Florence and some others about the same time invented uh, the circulation of these real bills. But just going back for a moment to this pejorative name, uh, the, uh, the guy who brought it into circulation, this name, Real Bills Doctrine, 
very great enemy of renewables was Lloyd Mintz, who is famous not uh, on his own merit, but because of Milton Friedman was a student of his. But uh, he was a professor at Chicago, rather colorless and uh, full of venom, and he wrote a, a book on the monetary history of the English-speaking peoples or world. Uh, <laughs> sure, the English-speaking people contributed a great deal to the theory, but uh, <laughs> you cannot confine a theory to the English language when such people as the Italians already in the 12th century and many others uh, made very great contribution. Anyhow, the, the uh, the gun backfired. Lloyd Mintz wanted to hurt the real Bill's doctrine by giving it a nickname, which he thought was pejorative and uh, demeaning and so on. And it backfired badly because it turned out to be a wonderful title. So now all the friends, not, there aren't, aren't too many of them, I am proud to count myself among the uh, advocates of the real Bill's doctrine, and there are a few others, but the vast majority of uh, economists today dismiss the real Bill's doctrine, which is, uh, according to them, is a false theory, it's uh, mendacious, it's uh, invalid, it's inflationary, just give the old bad names in economics and you can uh, attach it to the real Bill's doctrine. I can't explain this really because a theory with such a great pedigree as the uh, real Bill's doctrine, the name of Adam Smith, uh, cannot be all that bad. But anyhow, that's the situation today. And my message, what I am trying to work into this, uh, under this title, Why Was Britain's Return to the Gold Standard in 1925 Doom? Uh, is that the uh, gold standard in itself is not sufficient to have a sound monetary system. Uh, because it's just like standing on one leg. You need two legs to have a stable foothold. And this other leg is, uh, one is the gold standard, the other leg is the real bill's doctrine. And the real bill market, as we shall see, is the, uh, as it were, the clearing house, clearing house of the gold standard. It's a vital organ, such as, say, the liver is a vital organ in the human organism. If you remove it, you can't give a good uh, forecast how long the patient will live, won't live very long. And that's what exactly happened. The, uh, I, I unfortunately don't have time to go through the uh, real bills doctrine in 
in uh, greater details many of our previous conferences and seminars uh, dealt with that uh, in, in much greater details and if you go to my website you will see lots and lots of articles which deals with the goal with the real Bill's doctrine. Let me just confine my remarks that it is very much like the clearinghouse of a banking uh, system in a city, say in Britain or in the United States does. At the end of the business day all the checks drawn on the various banks in that city are sent to the clearinghouse and uh, the, the interesting thing is that the check drawn on a bank is not being paid in cash because there's a possibility of crossing it out. So they just look at the differences if a bank has a surplus of credit or a surplus of deficit. And only the deficit banks will pay gold as they did before World War One. Uh, to the uh, banks with a credit which cut down the volume of gold payments maybe to one percent of the total the total credit turning over in one day could be 99 percent of all the credits issued uh, and collected on that day and only one percent had to be settled in gold because that was the balance, the difference. The, the uh, banks with uh, deficit had to pay to the banks with a credit. So you see the tremendous savings feature of the, of the clearing system. Now, suppose the government says that from today on it's forbidden for the banks to use the clearing house. They must pay in gold every single check which is reaching the clearing house. Now, as you can see, this in effect kills the clearing house, and the whole idea of clearing is completely. Uh, violated and uh, they may still call it a clearinghouse but in effect the clearinghouse is dead. It has been killed by the government because this and this will be extremely costly and even more mistakes can be made and so oh, I'm not going to uh, list the various bad effects so that it would be a very foolish measure the bank would force on the banking system. But Ladies and gentlemen, let's be clear on it. When they return to the gold standard after World War I, first among them was Britain in 1925, they in effect did that. They removed the clearinghouse. The bill market disappeared from the scene, which was really a vital organ of the gold standard before World War I. And after World War II, the first important country returning to the gold standard 
was written in 1925, and they didn't bring the bill market back because, the, and, and thereby the clearing house of the gold standard was violently removed from the scene. I, I'm not going to uh, spend too much time explaining uh, why. Why did, was it forgetfulness? Was it uh, uh, done deliberately or what was be I am, and actually we don't know because the relevant decision-making minutes have been released. But I, I think that much is clear. It was the Entente, which was the uh, wartime alliance of the victorious <coughs> countries in World War II, which uh, made the decision at the very highest level. And they did not make the records public to this day. And uh, the reason why they did it is because they were afraid of the Germans. The Germans lost the war, but the German and the German army was disbanded more or less, Navy too, and so on. But the German industry was still there, and they were afraid of the German industry that it could be just too competitive. So they thought that they will abolish multilateral trading in the world and replace it with bilateral trading. So instead of having an extremely marketable instrument which is able to circulate, in this case it was the real bill, bill of exchange, uh, short-term credit on consumer goods in very high demand. And it's multilateral because it crossed borders with the same f degree of freedom like birds fly over to international borders. Nobody checks them, nobody can check them. and they. The same way these real bills were so potent and um, an instrument, a financial instrument, that they could just cross the border like the birds, you know. A very high-powered uh, means of exchange, the highest power next to gold. The gold uh, can do something like that and the real bills were on a par with, with gold as far as clearing uh, trade balances was concerned. So that's what in my reading which is I admit speculation and you have a better uh, idea I I will be happy to discuss it with you. But I don't have a better explanation. The Entente powers were afraid of the uh, uh, fact that the German industry was intact, was left pretty well intact uh, after World War I, 
and they could not successfully compete with it unless they remove this uh, this uh, multilateral clearing as it were and replace it with bilateral trading uh, bilateral trading and this is uh, because they could more easily control bilateral uh, trade you can survey it uh, you know what happens which two countries exchange what but if it's multilateral all this becomes obscure because the Israel bills can circulate so fast that there's no way to uh, track them and, and follow their trace trail so there it is this was probably the reason but now here's the thing multilateral trade is like cargo jet planes moving merchandise from one country to another and bilateral trade is like a wheelbarrow that you have to push it and carry goods. Now just compare the efficiency of the cargo jet planes moving merchandise and the wheelbarrow moving merchandise. That's a valid comparison. That's how inefficient the bilateral trade is in comparison with multilateral. And that's what these authors who stood behind the return of Britain to the gold standard in 1925 completely forgot that the efficiency of the world trade will be reduced like 1 to 100. Used to be 100 percent efficient and now it's only one percent efficient or if you don't like my figures put another one but a very great reduction indeed in the efficiency of world trade and as a consequence the world the, the gold standard international gold standard it was intended they were not fooled trying to fool anybody they meant business when they said that we want to return to the gold standard in 1925 and it's only proper that Britain should be the leader and the, all, the other countries will fall into line and uh, uh, they f completely forgot about this that if they try to eliminate multilateral clearing, multilateral trade then this is not going to succeed as it happened in the event because by 1931 September to be precise the Bank of England had to suspend gold payments and that was the end of uh, Britain's uh, effort to return to the gold since 1925 lasted, uh, lasted uh, uh, six years and they, it caused tremendous suffering because Britain went through uh, a, a, bout of, a bout of uh, deflation, a very bad one, high unemployment, the collapse of companies and so on. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have the pleasure of telling you why this deflation took place. And, and please remember you heard it here first, because none of the textbooks will tell you this. But what happened was that the bilateral trade, which replaced multilateral trade, takes so much gold to make the exchanges. Now the goods were there, which people want, the consumers wanted, and they were, uh, <coughs> consumers were scrambling to get them, and the industry was ready to deliver them and all that. But they 